Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another lovely episode of the Jaybird Watching Podcast. Brendan Panikar here is joining me per the usual, and we have a special guest tonight, Brendan. So first things, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. I don't want to steal the thunder away from our uh, our special guest, though. So let's turn it right over to uh, to our special guest, Craig. Introduce him. Let's go. Yeah, so we're, tonight, Brendan, we're starting our top prospects countdown here on Jaybird Watching, and we couldn't think of anybody better to have on the show than one of our fellow lovable goofs in Zach Helton, <laughs> the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays. Zach, first time, long time. <laughs> How the hell are you, my friend? Yeah, it's, it's been a while, and uh, we were talking off air just a little bit ago. Like uh, it, it feels like it's been forever since uh, I've talked to you guys, and but it feels like yesterday as well, so I think we're uh, we're all ready to go. And uh, spring is here. We finally got some baseball going on, and it's it's. I think we're all seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there to the regular season with just a few more weeks, um, and I, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm just uh, kind of raring to go. Um, I think baseball. I, I told my girlfriend the other day, baseball is like a religion to me. So she may not see me for a few months. <laughs> the Yappy League it's doesn't start for another few months. <laughs> well, I, I, I've got uh, I do college baseball and softball. I, got, I did a game today uh, for uh, UVA Wise. I, I do their stuff uh, in the off season, so uh, I, I'll be full of of that until about end of May, and then I'll have about two weeks free until uh, we get going for uh, the Blue Jays. Yeah, and we're always looking forward to hearing you on the, you know, the fan and everything whatnot over the uh, Bluefield airwaves. But is there anybody you're dying to see or have this past season, Zach, that has really just been a standout outside some of the guys we know we're going to talk about during the show tonight? And you have a lovely seat for every prospect that goes through Bluefield and get to talk about them every night. Is there anybody you'd like to highlight right off the bat here this morning or this evening? Well, one one person I, I don't think we'll get to touch on tonight, but I, it may make your list later on in the year. Justin Ammons uh, kind of came out of nowhere uh, last year. Was a late signee and non draftee out of the Knoxville area. Uh, I, I've got some friends down that way, and and they're real well versed in the high school and college baseball down there. He went to UT as well, and they said you're going to love this kid. He's an athlete; he can do almost anything, and uh, he was just a, a bright ray of of sunshine uh in the outfield uh for the blue jays last year offensively the bluefield blue jays were one of the best in the league pitching wise the complete opposite one of the worst in the league and it was made for a difficult season down the stretch but ammons uh came off the bus in bluefield uh showed his athleticism not only with speed tracking down some deep fly balls and, and doing that in the outfield but uh once he got on the base paths it seemed like he was coming around to score and quickly so uh, I think uh, some of the uh, the higher ups believe another year 
at Bluefield uh, is in the future for Ammons, and that's fine with me. I can't wait to see the kid play. Uh, he's very athletic, and I think once he he finds his his niche in professional baseball, he's going to be one of those guys for years to come that uh, you're going to be like, um, he's not just a ball player. He's an athlete, and he's got a glove on. So uh, he's one of those guys I don't think we'll touch on tonight. Hopefully uh, we will in the future, but uh, I just wanted to get that out there because uh, he was one of the, the bright spots from last year's, uh, you know, I won't say dismal season because there was a lot of growth, and Luis Hurtado is now only year in Bluefield. I wish Luis the best. Uh, what a trem- I, You know, I've been blessed in Bluefield with the managers that I've got to work with, Dennis Holmberg and Luis last year, just uh, two polar opposite guys personally, but they were super nice to me and always had a door open, whether you know, it was an interview or just I wanted to sit down and chat baseball. I think the first time I met Luis last year, I was in his office for three hours, and we just were talking baseball. And, uh, you know, that's one of the great things about the Blue Jays organization. I think you guys have, have come to notice that there's just so many great guys in the organization that just want to just love the game and want to be a part of the game no matter what. And, and that's one great thing that I've seen about the Blue Jays organization. And, and that's what I hope to kind of convey from Bluefield out into the airwaves here on this podcast. And, and usually anywhere I go talk, uh, talk Blue Jays baseball, I kind of, I kind of get a little giddy, like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> I, I know I kind of ran off on, on 43 tangents there, but I'll, I'll uh, yeah, Justin Ammons is a kid. I think uh, if he comes back to Bluefield, that'll be great, but I think uh, he could move up. It's just one of those things, as athletic as he is, who knows where he'll land, uh, you know, coming up in a few months. Yeah, Brendan, I don't know if you happen to pull up the uh, Bluefield Blue Jays page in the midst of this conversation and look at Justin Ammons' numbers, but this is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, pretty damn good season last year. I did pull that up, but, uh, I mean, man, the, especially at the upper levels of the minors in the major league, they need outfielders to start growing quickly. So the fact that you had such a good endorsement for Justin Ammons there, Zach, that, uh, that has me excited. One thing I noticed, I'm not sure if you noticed this, Craig, but Zach confirmed this for me because I – shook my head a little bit when I saw it, is the new manager, Jose Mayorga, actually born in 1992? Because that's what it says on the Bluefield Blue Jays roster right now, is that he was born in 92. Is that right? Hey, Zach, you still there, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I, I was, uh, I think it is correct, which would, uh, I think me and Luis were about <laughs> the same age um, last year. I think we were, you know, both and I were about 32, 33, but this will be a little awkward for me interviewing a manager who's younger than me. Uh, but um, I, I'm excited. He seems like uh, you know one of those uh, younger go-getter types in, in the minor league organization. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. Uh, you know, in a few months, come to Bluefield. But I saw that as well. Ninety-two. I said uh, I was in kindergarten. I think for my first tour of duty in kindergarten. So uh, it, it'll be uh, it'll be great to see. Uh, it, it was we had Dennis so long in Bluefield, and then Luis came in and, and was uh, just hands-on. He was so fun. And I, I kind of felt that he wouldn't be in Bluefield long. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Everyone's working their way up through the minors. And, and hopefully the new skipper uh, will bring some uh, excitement back to uh, Bowenfield as well. Yeah, I just think it's hilarious that I – did I just find out that I'm the oldest person on the show at 35? <laughs> I, I think he did. <laughs> just saying. I was a whole eight years so old curious. watching the Blue. I remember watching the Blue Jays win the World Series in '92, but <laughs> clearly the new manager, the Bluefield that's, Blue Jays, will have to do some. That's when I was born. 
<laughs> so anyways regardless of that i'm just glad and i think this goes actually well to a article i was reading on the athletic that the blue jays are trying to find new ways to inject new ideas along with keeping the wonderful you know good culture that they already have in the blue jays organization as a whole and i think zach that that from what you summed up for me with how this team went last year for the bluefield blue jays it sounds exactly like that yeah okay maybe you didn't have as much talent on the pitching side of the ball but if you can mash on one side and you can still win plenty of damn ball games somebody's managing that team right so yeah luis was and it was great because uh he was so hands-on you know i'd get to the ballpark early and it, during their bp session and he would either be hitting fungo to someone or working with the catchers in the outfield on some blocking. But it, he was somewhere every moment of the time they were on the field. And usually he was wiping the sweat off his brow in the coach's office when I was walking in to do maybe a pregame interview or something. Uh, he was a go-getter. And uh, he's gonna, I, I think he's going to move up the ladder uh, very quickly in the Blue Jays organization. And uh, whoever, whoever lands him, uh, in the future is going to be very well pleased with not only his enthusiasm towards the game, but just his work ethic in general. Yeah, and I think we've seen that actually in the Blue Jays organization recently with the ridiculous rocket ship ascension to John Schneider. <laughs> Major yeah. League Coach yeah. John Schneider. <laughs> so, still the weirdest job title in all of baseball, but I love having John Schneider in that dugout with all those young players. And there is something to say with Luis being that kind of guy that is literally doing all the work that the players are doing. They're going to get behind him, Zach, all day, every day. And that's where they're te- he's teaching these kids how to play baseball the right way as they get into their pre- professional careers. Yeah, there were some nights that, uh, you know, seventh, eighth inning that uh, Bluefield had no business being in the ball game, but they scratched and clawed, and it felt like, you know, with the general in the foxhole known as Luis Hurtada, they were going to battle with him, and, you know, some nights they would pull off a miracle that uh, uh, no one would see coming, but, uh, you know, maybe a few fans that uh, stuck around that ball club every night. You knew that uh, every night if you had a chance with uh, that squad and Luis Hurtada, you know, pulling the strings that, uh, you know, they were they were going to give 110% every night. Good stuff. I want to suck, circle back to uh, Justin Ammons really quick. Is Seeing he's a fellow outfielder, and I saw Cal Stevenson literally run through a wall with you the night that I was in the announcer's <laughs> box. Is he reminding you? Is he seems like, at least on paper, I obviously I won't, haven't seen any footage of Justin, but as far as an eye test, and I'm trying to get a comparison, is he in that similar mold as a hitter? to someone like Cal Stevenson? Very much so. I, you know, it's uh, Cal was such a special talent, and, and he was more gritty than he was. You know, uh, it wasn't as pretty every time, but it got the job done for Cal. This, uh, you know, Justin Ammons, it's more, uh, you know, it's more beauty, but, but the same results are happening. Justin Ammons, uh, you know, may not run through a wall because he, he may get to the ball a little bit quicker than Cal did. He might not need uh, And kind of camp it. under it. Yeah, he may not need to, but, but speaking of Cal, it was kind of a it was kind of a little heartbreaker when uh, Cal got traded to the Astros because I was you know a little invested in Cal because he was so fun to watch and I, I thought 
you know, I, I thought maybe two or three years he would be in the majors. And, and I wish him the best of luck, even though uh, he's with the Astros now. And I think uh, we all have to hate the Astros more than we do the Yankees at this point. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, very similar numbers. He, he, I think he's got a little better foot speed than Cal. But uh, he can he can definitely spray it to all fields, and if if he has to sh- if he can hit it deep in the hole, uh, he's going to beat beat it out more so than not. And his on base his on base percentage is going to go through the roof once he can kind of tailor his game more to a professional level. Because you know uh, I think uh, he may have had a week or two weeks in the golf before coming to Bluefield after uh, a year at Tennessee in the SEC with metal bat. So. I think he's still kind of learning the professional game, and I think uh, you know probably an extended fall, extended spring, and, and hopefully, I you know be, being a little selfish would like to see him back at Bluefield next year, but uh, time will tell uh, where Justin ends up. But I think wherever he does, uh, you know maybe be a little bit of a learning curve, but once he gets his right foot in place, he's uh, he's definitely going to hit the ground running, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> nice to know that we got something like that coming in the pipe, uh, Brendan. But um, Bre- Brendan, do you want right. to tell him what I told you about Cal Stevenson the day of the infamous now Derek Fisher trade? <laughs> That's right. I Zach, no, no word of a lie. It was something along the lines of the Blue Jays are really going to regret this because he's going to turn into a stud major leaguer. So yeah, Craig, I think you have a new favorite in Justin Ammons by the sounds of the conversation. But uh, yeah, that uh, that was a heartbreaker for Craig too. You're not alone, Zach. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it's not like an ALCS, you know, six, seven, eight years now from now, and the Blue Jays are hosting the Astros or something. Oh God, Cal <laughs> Stevenson, Rob Blair Jr. Uh, yeah, that would that would be a, a nightmare for sure. So, uh, you know, I, I wish him the best, but only when he's not playing the Blue Jays. And uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things that you know happens in baseball every day. Someone that, that you love is going to get traded, and. Uh, uh, you know, the higher ups know what they're doing more so than not. So it's kind of hard for us to kind of yeah. judge. But yeah, Cal Stevenson was a special player in Bluefield, and uh, I don't, I don't think either one of us will ever forget him crashing into that concrete wall that's protected by a thin layer of foam in the outfield. That <laughs> and night. then the it's best part about that is, if he actually breaks through the wall, there's nothing but wilderness on the other side of that fence. <laughs> yeah. There's a street, a creek, and then wilderness. And uh, I did not – I feel like the next half inning he got up and uh, – did he hit one out or hit a double or I think a triple? It was, a it was an extra base. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm like, yeah. how did he run through a wall? I, I, re- I remember this exact, like, you know, churning in my mind here. How did he run through a wall last inning and then leg out a triple? He hit the ball that damn hard too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't like a little yeah, little it, dribbler through the infield that rolled all the way to the wall and nobody could get to it. This thing like freaking pounded like right into the ground just before the warning track, and he's just he's that quick. I, but the exact quote of what I said to Brendan and I believe I even put this out on Twitter for that trade for the Blue Jays: Derek Fisher for Joe Biagini, Aaron Sanchez, and Cal Stevenson. Cal Stevenson will be the biggest chip of that whole trade in my opinion, because I just don't yeah, quite see it. exactly what you said. With Derek Fisher, I think Aaron Sanchez is never going to have the health consistently enough to be a starting pitcher. And as far as Joe Biagini being a good reliever, he's not a great reliever as far as we much as we love him as Blue Jays fans. So I think Cal Stevenson has that ability to be a 300 hitter in the major leagues as long as he can keep these tools together. 
and knowing that you got Justin Amont coming or Am Justin Ammons coming through the system and he's in that same mold makes me feel a little bit better, Zach, on the end of this. <laughs> you got a new favorite, yeah, Craig. The Cal Stevenson trade, I think, will be one of those you're sitting at a bar one night, uh, you know, maybe you know, 10, 15 years from now, and you see uh, someone involved in that, uh, and you say, yeah, Cal Stevenson was in that trade as well, who? Or, or like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. It'll be one of those bar-type uh, trivia questions that, uh, you know, who was the, the uh, lone outfielder, the lone position player involved in that trade from, from the Blue Jays or something, yeah. so... That's I feel like I'm going to be more in the bold that I'm going to be the guy sitting in a sitting in the bar, drunk off my ass, going, "I remember watching Cal Stevenson in Bluefield, and he was the shit." <laughs> he ran, he ran through a wall and then hit a triple. <laughs> so anyway, they were like, "Where's yeah. Bluefield? What Bluefield? <laughs> Where's that?" <laughs> Just go into the mountains in West Virginia. You'll be okay. <laughs> exactly. So, but. On that note, as Blue Jays guys go, I know you are invested in these prospects that are getting a good shot in spring training with the actual Toronto Blue Jays and Dedeen this spring. How many games have you been able to catch on the radio or on TV? I know like most Blue Jays fans, we haven't seen shit on TV because they're not broadcasting them in the right way. But <laughs> Never on TV. <laughs> exactly. How do we watch them and love this team when you can't even watch it? I understand there's ballpark renovations and everything going on, and the radar gun isn't even installed, so how do you put TVs in the plays? <laughs> so, But, Zach, I know you're keeping tabs on your favorite Bluefield guys, and I'm pretty sure there's probably at least one individual you want to talk about. Oh, who could you uh, be mentioning, Greg? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes sir. Well, I, I got to watch a little bit the other day. I think they had a, a replay on MLB Network. I was leaving uh, my full-time job going to uh, do a basketball game uh, the other night. It kept called a, an inning or two of that. And then uh, Ben and Jesse were on the call, uh, I think, uh, either yesterday or the day before. And I got to listen to a few innings of Jesse uh, do the play-by-play. Uh, of that game, so it, my uh, my uh, listener and, and watchship of the Blue Jays has kind of been limited, but I think we all know uh, my favorite uh, Blue Jay right now in the spring training roster is none other than Alejandro Kirk. Uh, probably one of the the most uh, you know underappreciated players I think that came through Bluefield. He was you know not a blimp on anyone's radar uh, two seasons ago when he came in. Uh, he worked his way in the lineup, a few injuries, and, and then uh, he was DHing for a while, ended up catching uh, due to a couple of injuries, and uh, kind of solidified his spot in the heart of the order for Bluefield in, in a playoff push uh, that season, ended up falling in the final game of the uh, divisional series. And I, I really thought that was a championship-type series. It was such a great atmosphere in that playoff series. But uh, Kirk, uh, you know, I'm looking at the Blue Jays website right now. You know, he's listed uh, generously at five nine. I think two twenty. Uh, <laughs> I've been to the. I've been next to him at the cage. Uh, you know, I'm six foot two, and if he's five nine, I'm six seven. So you know, he's, <laughs> he's kind of a, a short, stout guy. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a little thicker than uh, maybe the major league scouts would want, but uh, is. As short and, and and thick as he is, he's very athletic behind the plate. Don't uh, don't let his uh, size and stature diminish anything he's done behind the plate. He's very athletic. Uh, I don't think he had too many pass balls. 
for Bluefield. Uh, he did a great job of uh, throwing out base runners and, and handling a, a pitching staff that two years ago was a pretty good staff. Uh, so that part of part of his game, I think, uh, you know, will only grow in the right direction. Uh, his hitting, uh, he swings hard, and when it connects, it goes. You were talking moments ago about uh, the woods beyond the outfield fence of Owen. Uh, one night, I saw Alejandro hit a ball that was climbing into the tree line. Uh, I would say at least 450, 460 feet uh, <laughs> he mashed the baseball and and, uh, you know, he, he's not your typical power hitter either. He, he had a very patient uh, approach at the plate. Uh, you know, he, he, he got a good deal of walks. And, um, you know, he's not the fleetest of foot, but I think he had a couple of stolen bases as well, so he can move on the base path. So he's he's one of those packages uh, you, you kind of you can't take, uh, you know, your height and weight and, and kind of bottle it up and throw it out and say, ah, this is not uh, the size we want. I think you've got to you kind of got to watch the kid play the game and he plays the game the right way. And he's he, he's one of those kids, uh, you know, I, I could see it a lot at Bluefield. They haven't hit their ego yet. They're just now uh, getting their first taste of professional baseball and they're walking around with uh, big damn smiles on their faces because they're playing and getting under Kirk was one of those guys that just, uh, you know, big, bright, white teeth, smiling every day. He was just happy to be at the ballpark. And uh, one of the stories I heard, uh, you know, he's from Mexico, and I think he, you know, uh, found one of the better uh, Mexican restaurants in Dunedin and uh, <laughs> took his teammates out. I mean, that's just the kind of guy Kirk was and is. He's just he's just a, a fun guy to be around. And, you know, uh, I would hate to see him leave the Blue Jays organization because I think he's one of those guys that's, you know, on down the road, he, you know, he may not be an everyday starter because the catcher position is really deep right now in the organization. But I think he could be one of those guys in the locker room that uh, just, you know, uh, anyone having a bad day or in a slump, just take a look over a couple lockers down, see Alejandro Kirk having a, a good time, and, and uh, they realize that this is a game and we're all having fun playing it. Yeah, the best thing I think that Kirk has going for him is the fact that he does mash at the plate, and he does play a very good catcher, like you said, uh, Zach. But some something like the major league changes of the 26-man roster makes it so much easier for somebody like Kirk to slip in, even as a third catcher, because he can just absolutely destroy baseballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it's uh, five nine two twenty is what they have him listed as, and and it he swings like he's. 6'4", 240. I mean, he puts everything into a swing, and, and he rarely misses. And that's the thing about it. You know, he's – he's. I, I can't quite just say he's swinging out of his shoes because he's not. It's a very controlled, violent swing. And when it barrels up, uh, you can t- – it was, it was almost like Vlad Jr. a few years ago in Bluefield. You could stand in the concourse, and you could hear one hit off Vlad Jr.'s bat, and you're like, oh, Vlad's a BP. I'm going to go watch. You can almost have that same feel with Kirk. You know that someone different is hitting the baseball because it just has a distinct, just a distinct sound off the bat, and it's a beautiful thing just watching him uh, just destroy baseballs at an alarming rate. Yeah, Brendan, you've heard me gush about Kirk since I had the pleasure of hanging out with Zach. Now you've actually finally seen some footage on him. What do you think? Because it seems like kind of like you know Twitter's just blowing up about those couple of performances he's had so far. He's done really good. Well, if there's anything that uh, he's going to have going for him, 
I think he's going to be the new Munenori Kawasaki in a few years, but actually be good and actually have some talent <laughs> and live up Perfect. to uh, a good reputation of being an all-around good and funny guy. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm excited for him. Uh, I really am. He's, he's, al- he's already started to tear the cover off the ball in spring training, albeit just four at-bats. But, uh, Zach, I actually had one question for you in terms of the Bluefield roster. You mentioned how Kirk just kind of got his break because of injury and he came in and kind of ran, with, ran away with a job. Is there anybody for, for listeners or for Craig and I that we should be keeping our eye on as maybe somebody who is under the radar that could do kind of similar things to Alejandro Kirk? doesn't have to be a catcher. It could be anybody going into the 2020 season for Bluefield. Well, last year it was, uh, I think, Spencer Horowitz kind of came off uh, the bus from Radford. He played at a small college, small Division One college. And if you go back and, and just read up on a little bit of Spencer Horowitz's history, you know, uh, wasn't a real big recruit out of high school. Uh, you know, uh, kind of, I think he was a catcher out of high school. They retold him to a first base and end up, uh, you know, I think as an Appy League All-Star last year, won Player of the Week uh, at least once, maybe twice. Uh, but the kid, uh, you know, you could see him develop over the year. And I, I think he'll be, you know, uh, you know, maybe in Lansing, maybe in Dunedin, Come uh, you know springtime, maybe extended spring, but I, yeah, I think he's one of those guys um, that uh, has worked hard and got himself noticed at you know a Division One college, a small small yet Division One college, at Radford, and uh, you know he's he's got the work ethic and he's such a he, he's got the mindfulness. You know, I I think right after he was the MVP or uh, Player of the Week, uh, you got to sit down with him after BP, and you know he was just talking about. Uh, learning the professional game and you know he didn't get to play uh much summer ball because you know i think he works through some injuries so hitting with a wood bat was just kind of new to him but he you know he didn't you know he looked like he'd been hitting with a wood, wood bat all his life but he's one of those guys i think you know was under the radar coming to bluefield and i think uh he's still got that chip on his shoulder and i think as long as he carries that chip on his shoulder He's going to work, and he, he's going to outwork a lot of people, and he's going to be one of those guys that uh, you know, may not have been a top prospect out of college or out of high school, but I think he's going to work onto a lot of radars uh, you know, this year and going forward because you know, a lot of people who didn't know who Spencer Horowitz was, including myself, uh, kind of got a, a good glimpse of him last year. Really, uh, <laughs> the Pulaski Yankees, uh, play-by-play announcer Rick Watson is, you know, he works full-time for Radford University, and when Spencer got picked up by the Blue Jays, Rick sent me a message on Facebook. He said, you're going to love this kid, and I said, who is he? <laughs> and he said, he sent me his bio, and he said, this kid this kid is going to come in, and, and he's going to work into the starting lineup, and he did just that in, you know, nanoseconds. So he's one of those guys, I think, uh, he uh, a lot of people in the organization are going to be pleased with for years to come. That's awesome stuff. I can see on his page last year, he had a really good season, great season. Three homers, 49 ribbies, and a 330 average. I can see where you're coming from on that one. That's uh, that's very good news, isn't it, Craig? This, this organization needs some first baseman as well. So we have our outfielder uh, in Justin Ammons, and now our infielder in Spencer Horowitz to keep our eye on. It's great. Yeah, and see, this is what I love about what you get to do every day, Zach. You get to see like these things just bud right in front of your eyes. These flowers coming to life, right? And it's just really cool that you get to see all these guys coming through Bluefield and 
get them, you know, the seeds been planted, you see the good baseball coming, and then you know where they're going to be, and they turn into somebody like Alejandro Kirk that is going to be a major leaguer. It's just great stuff. Yeah, it was like we were talking before we got started. You know, a lot of the uh, uh, not only international guys, but some of the state guys, it's it's hard to find things on sometimes, you know, because there's a short turnaround from the draft till. You know, they, they go to Florida maybe for a week or a week and a half, and then they come to Bluefield. Uh, you know, it's a lot of – it's a short turnaround to find, you know, good stuff about guys and reliable stuff on, you know, uh, how they hit or, or just how they are as a player. And, uh, you know, sometimes I tell on my broadcast when a new player comes in, I'm saying, we're all going to learn about this person together. So uh, just kind of sit in and grab a drink and, uh-huh. and let's all let's all learn what the Blue Jays have now because, uh, you know uh, – Horwitz, uh, you know, was one of those guys at a small college. Kirk coming out of Mexico, uh, you know, uh, Ammons was not on anyone's radar. He, you know, he was a perfect game guy, and uh, I think, uh, you know, pretty good college player, but not drafted. So, it, you know, it, it's those stories that uh, you know uh, make the Appalachian League so great. And, and uh, you know, there've been all this MILB talk about contraction, and you know, uh, I think you guys know I've been, you know, I grew up. Uh, 30 minutes south of Bluefield, grew up watching uh, the Bluefield organization play. And, and I think it would just be a, a tremendous disservice, not only to the Appalachian region, but just baseball fans in general. Uh, you know, if there's no Appy League, they're going to miss out on a lot of great talent like these guys that kind of grow and develop in Bluefield and otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to do so if, you know, contraction actually happens at the minor league level. Yeah, we're not wishing that on anybody on this show as far as knowing what you guys do every day down there. Worst, at a minimum, you guys are the stepping stone that makes these players the players they will be for the rest of their career. And without that first little stepping stone after the draft, what do you do with them? You you can't just throw these kids in single A and hope they're going to sink or, you know, float. You know, there's they need what you guys are doing every day down there. And having that kind of almost like that home cooking touch to being in the baseball league, right? The fact that they're, you know, you guys are all there for them. You talk to them, Zach. I know how you are with the players, and you're just you're inviting them all in, right? If you're in some well, of those bigger yeah, cities where it, some of the single A teams are, you'll get missed on that. Yeah, and it's it's like that with uh, everyone here. We've got a tremendous boosters club and our organization, even going back to when it was the Orioles. You know, if you think about, you know, you've been to Bluefield, it's, it's, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I can kind of say that because I'm from here, it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, we have an interstate <laughs> kind of bypassing the town, and, and uh, you know, the summers would be really dull without baseball. Uh, but but for the most part, uh, so many people just welcome in these, these ball players, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those situations where uh, if there were not a Bluefield Orioles or they were not a Bluefield Blue Jays, um, you know, people in Southwest Virginia and Southern West Virginia, why would they care about the Orioles or the Blue Jays other than that? But these, but these fans kind of grow with, you know, uh, the Vlad Jr. You know, if you asked uh, anybody in Bluefield who watched Vlad Jr. play, you would think Vlad Jr. grew up in Bluefield, West Virginia. You would not know any different. <laughs> and, it, and it's like that with all the guys. They, they, they take them in as their own. Uh, same with, you know, Princeton with the Rays. You know, who in Princeton would be a Rays fan if the Rays were not there? Yeah. There's so many other organizations like that. I mean, it's the area is predominantly Reds, Pirates, and Braves. And, uh, you know, other than that, no one, you know, no one would really think outside that box unless the Athlete League was there. And, uh, you know, the years, I think uh, it's 
coming up on you know nine years, ten years that uh, the Blue Jays has been, have been in Bluefield, and uh, you know so many tremendous uh, efforts, not only you know teaming up with the Blue Jays organization from Toronto on down, you know they uh, did a tremendous job of, of bettering Bowen Field. It, you know uh, just this past off season they put a new roof on the grandstand. We're looking to get a new press box. The offices are new. The concourse is new. The indoor practice facility is new. And it, it would only take someone in baseball, you know, five seconds to walk into that facility and, and take a look at the uh, clubhouses and, and the practice facility, the weight room, and you see that you're in a right place to grow. You know, uh, I, I don't think anyone out there has ever started a career making the most pay or worked in the best spot, but you definitely, it, it, it gives you a little fuel to grow and better yourself. And there's no better place than the Appy League. You know, you, you play in, uh, you know, some great ballparks, some great fields, and in front of some great fan bases that are going to love you win or lose. And uh, when you get to Toronto, they're going to be some of the first not to forget who you are. And that's exactly it, Brendan, right there, isn't it? <laughs> It's perfect. I mean, hell, I mean, Craig, I know we said this last year when we had Zach on, but hey, when are we going down? When is this happening? We got to take our road trip down to Bluefield, right? It's going <laughs> to happen. I'm going to find a way, and we're going to just, you know, you got to get down here to Rochester, then we'll hop in my car, and we'll go down, and we'll just continue doing a road trip. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's only an extra hour on the bus from Buffalo, so hey, why not? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll pick you up in Buffalo and we'll go south from there. <laughs> Done. <laughs> so... But anyway, guys, um, I, as much as I have loved gushing about my love for everything that is going on in Bluefield and hanging out with Zach here, we do have a mission statement of actually being a regular everyday Blue Jays podcast, and it's not the collective. So I think we need to start diving into a little Aww. bit more of spring training <laughs> <laughs> baseball. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Brendan, I think we need to talk about some of the guys that made their debuts this past week first. We saw Ryu finally pitch, and we saw Matt Shoemaker make his triumphant return over the past week of blue jays baseball and spring training what has gotten you most excited over what's coming oh man i think it has to be matt shoemaker i mean the fact that that guy hey he's been through so much in his career already he had that extremely promising 16 and 4 season with the los angeles angels back when his career was getting started i believe it was in 2014 when he had that incredible season and finished second in rookie of the year voting um, it's been through so much arm issues and then to have this fluke of an injury where he tears his ACL and Craig, we've said this multiple times and Zach, I'm sure you'd agree. I feel that the Matt Shoemaker injury last April when the Blue Jays were having around 500 and going into Oakland was really the, the balloon that got popped and the season kind of got derailed from there because he was their best pitcher by far. Uh, and it just seemed like they were never the same after Matt Shoemaker got injured. Obviously, once guys started to get called up, like Vlad and Bo and, and everybody and Kevin Biggio, it was kind of put to the side. But between the point where Vlad was called up and then Kevin, it was honestly a real dead period. And Matt Shoemaker getting back out there, what was it? I think it was two and two-thirds or two and a third and struck out five guys. I mean, if Shoemaker can stay healthy and continue what he started last year, which there really is no reason to believe that he can't, and him and Ryu at the top of the rotation could be quite good. And you add Roark or Anderson being your other stable veteran. Rotation has actually gone from a dead point at the end of the 2019 season to what could potentially be a strength. So 
I'm on the Matt Shoemaker bandwagon. I'm so happy to see him back out there. Yeah, this this rotation's got the arc of uh, the 2015 sneak attack for our pitching rotation. <laughs> I think so. I completely agree with that. But Zach, have you gotten to see um, worst case scenario? What what happened with Matt Shoemaker? It was a guy that was going to chew up a ton of innings and be a veteran presence in that rotation. Last year, it became completely abysmal and had 21 different starting pitchers, including openers over last season. A triumphant return of somebody like Matt Shoemaker makes this rotation automatically that much more different, doesn't it, Zach? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, the offense is there. I think uh, uh, no one would uh, deny that uh, the offense is there. It's just been... Uh, finding uh, some pieces to keep the Blue Jays in base in, in games essentially, and I don't. I'm not a big uh, opener guy. Uh, it, it works for some organizations. It, it doesn't for others. But uh, you know, I think uh, I think you want your starter to be in the in the mix for five six innings, and, and give you know uh, batters fits. You know, at least two times through the lineup, maybe three times through the lineup. And I think Shoemaker is one of those guys that, uh, you know, can come in and, and just uh, blow by batters and, and give, you know, the Blue Jays an opportunity to, to get to their pin, you know, maybe in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings and not tax the pin so much. And, and, and that's really, I think, everybody's goal is to just have a pin that's in place for an entire series. And, and with Shoemaker's early exit last year, you know, that was, uh, that was uh, you know, tough sledding. I think, uh, you know, by, you know, game three or game four of the series uh you were kind of you know in the parking lot taking you know names who could throw maybe an inning for <laughs> for anybody so i you know i think it just adds the depth to the pitching rotation and, and just builds i think that kind of flows into the bullpen as well yeah so zach touched on it here that the offense is pretty much ready made outside of some maybe some pieces that we're really trying to figure out see who rises to the top in some positions but, guys, over the last week, Danny Jansen has been hitting the ball pretty freaking hard <laughs> to the tune of a couple home runs and just looks like the Danny Jansen that we saw throughout the minor league career, especially once he got past Lansing and just became more or less a perennial 300 hitter at each level he touched. And the power all of a sudden shows up as soon as he gets to Buffalo. Is this the year... And it's already been kind of pushed out there that Danny Jansen's already moved Reese McGuire into a 60-40 split instead of a 50-50 split. Do you guys think that he is going to run away maybe with some of this offense now that he has a chance to actually focus on the offense of his game because he has a stable rotation like we were talking about a moment ago? I think so. I think if Danny Jansen puts together what he started last year defensively, because that was really the question of Danny Jansen last year, right? Going into the season, uh, in his last season with the Buffalo Bisons, the defense was the bigger question. We all knew that the bat was there. And then last year, the bat wasn't there, but the defensive side of the game was a huge surprise. I'm going to make a prediction. There was somebody on Twitter the other day that said Danny Jansen would be a top 10 catcher in baseball. I actually want to take it a step further, guys. I don't know about you guys, but I would not be surprised if he puts together on both sides of the ball defensively and he gets back to his offensive side that he had in Buffalo especially once he added the power as you mentioned Craig would it surprise you guys if he's top seven maybe even top five in the entire game of baseball I mean I think he was worth what two wins last year maybe I'm off on that but he was still worth quite a bit despite struggling at the plate it was his defense that really carried him so 
combine that offensively, he could be looking at a catcher with about a four, maybe four and a half F four uh, on fan graphs. So that's my prediction. I, I'm, I, I, you know, Craig uh, and Zach probably from seeing my Twitter feed. I'm a huge Danny Jansen fan. So bring it on. I, uh, I want that 60, 40 split or 70, 30 in favor of Danny Jansen. Was already a gold glove runner up basically as far as what, what did he finish in the rankings? Either way, he was in the conversation, which never was even a heard of throughout his minor league conversation. Zach, what do you think of what you've seen for Danny Jansen and uh, where you think he projects? Yeah, I think, I think you guys are spot on, uh, especially with his offensive numbers. And as we touched on a little earlier as, you know, I think as catcher rich, as the uh, Blue Jays organization is from top to bottom. I think Jansen kind of realizes what's nipping at his heels with uh, not only who's in the locker room with him, but just who's up the ladder. And I think I think he knows he has to mash, and he has that ability to mash. And it, when he hits the baseball, it's it's going a long way. And uh, when you have a catcher that can hit you know close to 300 or above that has uh, just the feel behind the plate that he does and the arm that he does, I think he's an all-star level guy. And I think, you know, with Vlad Jr. Or, uh, excuse me, uh, Molina. <laughs> I got Molina and Vlad Jr. mixed up. <laughs> but with Molina, you know, close to retirement, I think he's, yeah, I think he's, he's knocking on the door of that top seven, top five catcher in the league. And, uh, you know, uh, I think he's one of those guys that uh, it's just going to be, uh, you know, everyone knows about uh, Vlad Jr., and and all the names, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that kind of carries the organization to that next level now that the pitching staff has kind of settled back into into rightful order. Good stuff, fellas, and I couldn't be happier to have Danny Jansen on this team because it's looking like more or less we got the Buster Posey for our lineup that we have been looking for or the you know free agent signing of Yasmany Grandal somewhere you know <laughs> going on with Danny Jansen. <laughs> But I think, funny enough, I guess, Brendan, I'm going to have to give Zach segue points here because we're going to talk about a guy that more or less could segue. be the face of our yeah. franchise to the old face Absolutely. of our franchise that has resurfaced in the news lately, or at least all over MLBRumors.com. Jose Bautista, fellas, is, quote-unquote, <laughs> coming back as a pitcher, and he wants to be a two-way stud. We already know he can just destroy baseballs when he gets a hold of it. Apparently, according to what everybody's saying, he's got around a 94, 95 mile an hour fastball with some really good off-speed stuff and a serious slider that has actually got some good hook. Zach Helton, do you think there is any bearing on this whole thing, or is this just more fun for Blue Jays fans, hoping that one of the greats of our franchise has a chance to come back into Major League Baseball? Here's my question. Does he get to put a bat behind the mound so if he does strike someone out with that beautiful slider, he can bat flip? (laughs) It's a glove flip. There's got to be a way to celebrate every strikeout as as beautiful as the bat flip was. But, you know, he's he's one of those guys that, you know, he was so athletic as an outfielder. It's hard to just question anything he could do. I, I think, you know, with his arm, I think he could pitch. Uh, you know, does he have maybe a, a, a third pitch uh, or a fourth pitch to kind of combat, you know, uh, you know, once you see the guy once or twice, you kind of get a, a tone of what he has. Uh, can he can he keep people off off kilter in that aspect? The only time will tell. But I, I, I would be one of those people not to question what Jose Bautista could do. Uh, you know, we, we all saw what he could do in the outfield and with his bat. So, uh, you know, maybe he can pitch. 
I would like to see, uh, you know, some, some, uh, get him some run, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, he always has the outfield to fall back on. So that's one of those things. It's always, you know, it's always good to search for a job when you have a job because you always have a job to fall back on. So maybe that's the, the uh, mindset Bautista has. He can always fall back on to being a, an all-star type outfielder again if he can stay, uh, you know, stay healthy. So, Mr. Panikar, give me what you think about Shohei Bats. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> he can come back as a 39, 40-year-old Shohei Otani. And actually do both very well. I mean, Otani can, obviously, but, like, now, like, when I saw that, uh, whenever that report went out there, I think it was by Jeff Passan, I was like, what the fuck? Like, do I have to read this twice? Like, I think I read it at least three or four different times to make sure I was not, like, I don't even know what I was thinking. It was going through my mind when I saw that Bautista's CEO coming back as a pitcher, or at least working out as a pitcher. I mean, we all knew that he had an incredible, incredible arm in the outfield. I mean, Adam Jones uh, firsthand knows that from trying to throw him out at first base or whoever it was that was trying to nab at first against the Orioles there all those years ago. So, I mean, we've always known he has the arm. I, and I, I agree with you, Zach. I wouldn't put anything past Jose Bautista. The guy's the king. And uh, if he came back for a swan song, he would be welcome just as he was left with a massive, massive standing ovation. I'm signing him up right now. I want him in the bullpen. I, mean, I don't care who we got. The, you know, bullpen arms are so <laughs> a dime a dozen. If I can get Jose Bautista even at a minimum just to come in here and just do a few, you know, like I said, like uh, we were talking about a minute, glove flips as he K's people, <laughs> and then he can hit a home run in the DH spot, <laughs> sign me up. I'm fine with it. So, um, but, yeah, guys, that, it, as exciting as that news is, there is plenty of minor league fun that we've been talking about on this show and seeing we are pushing that hour mark, I think we finally probably should dive into our top 30 prospects countdown here. <laughs> so I'm going to kick it off here, and I'm just going to rifle through, I think, the first couple here, and we'll touch on a few of them because we, I think we've had a chance to see a few of these guys. So in the number 30 spot, we have Samad Taylor. In number 29, we have Tanner Morris, who it just came into the Blue Jays organization this past year, and then Riley Adams in number twenty-eight. Um, Zach, I know that you know we acquired some odd Taylor to be a trade, but have you had a chance to see him in a year, or at least in the midst of talking with your fellow friends and announcer them? <laughs> I, I've actually got to watch a little uh, little film on him, and you know he's he's a smaller guy. I, I think they've got him listed at like five ten. He has a lot of power for his frame. Uh, you know, I think uh, one problem you may see out of Taylor, he strikes out a lot. So, uh, you know, when you got a lot of, you got a power hitter, a bigger power hitter, you expect them to strike out a lot. But when they have a smaller frame, you kind of say, okay, let's dial this back a little bit and be more of a, you know, a, a contact hitter. And, and maybe that's one of the, uh, you know, situations the Blue Jays have with Taylor. They, they kind of want to dial him back and, and let him use his, his small stature and, and, you know, maybe, you know, ground ball and, and beat them out. But, you know, it's always good when you have someone uh, with, uh, you know, a little bit a little bit of size, you know, some small size with some power. So I, I think Taylor is a good pickup, uh, but uh, definitely got to get those strikeouts down, I think. Yeah, because once he gets up into the double-A level, I think they'll chew him alive with those strikeout numbers. Yeah. So... Brendan, I'm going to let you top up to the next guy unless you have something you want to jump in on, Samad Taylor. 
Well, I was, I mean, I just kind of build off of Taylor when they made the trade. Uh, and I believe it was the Joe Smith trade, sending him back to Cleveland or whoever it was that they got for Samad Taylor and Thomas Pannon was also part of that deal. I was more excited for Taylor based on a lot of the stuff I was reading. I think you could see back in 2018, maybe what he could do. Uh, he had nine home runs and Zach, as you mentioned, he does hit for power for a small guy. It was only a 5'10", 160 is what he's listed on fan graphs. But he added in 44 stolen bases. And that's not the kind of speed we've seen in Toronto for quite a while. Uh, it is concerning, though, that ever since he got into the organization, his offensive numbers, especially on the batting average and on base percentage and even the weighted runs created plus department, have all gone down. And that's all been as a result of promotions. So he's gone from low A to A and then up to Dunedin last year. The average keeps on going down. And, and Zach, as you mentioned, his strikeout tendencies, those keep on going up. I'm not sure anymore if I like the long-term potential of Samad Taylor, um, which I thought was going to be the complete opposite uh, when they got him. But, uh, yeah, it's a little disappointing because I was excited when they got him. I thought maybe he could be one of those sneaky good guys who ended up making an impact a few years down the road. So I'm not sure if that will happen anymore. So I guess next we'll move up to Taylor or Tanner Morris, which is, in all reality, Zach, somebody you might get a chance to see, possibly. But he's 21-year-old, so he might be just jumping right to Lansing would be the only thing I would maybe guess. But Tanner Morris was drafted in the fifth round for the Blue Jays last year, 147th overall, and has apparently a nice advanced approach at the plate where he – you know, more or less strikes out just as much as he walks, which in our, you know, the wonderful world we were just talking about with Samad Taylor is oddly welcome. <laughs> Didn't see it too much <laughs> at his time in Vancouver last year, but somebody that's projecting possibly is a pretty good uh, up-the-middle guy, very athletic, and should be something pretty good for the Blue Jays going forward here as he continues to fill out. Yeah, I think I think his home is at second base. There's so many athletic middle infielders in the organization right now, a lot of them sitting at, uh, you know, uh, shortstop or third. So I think Morris may find a home at second base. Uh, you know, the strikeout to walk ratio is kind of right there where you want it. But I think he's kind of hit lefty pitching a little bit better before, you know, he starts climbing up the ladder a little quickly. But, you know, you get later in the games, uh, somebody, you know, going to be a left-hander in the pin, and that's going to be the guy Morris sees first. So I think – that's got to be one of those situations Morris takes care of. Uh, I think he could be, uh, you know, one of those guys in the organization for years to come at second base. But uh, the only downfall I see is, you know, his uh, lack or uh, just, you know, non-productiveness hitting left-handed pitching. I think that's got to be something he's got to take care of while at the lower levels. Yeah, it's only going to get harder for him as he goes further and further and tries to hit more left-handed pitching. So... On the next spot, we were talking a former high-round draft pick in the Toronto Blue Jays 2017 draft, Riley Adams. Guys, he's been in and out hurt throughout his minor league career, and finally last season he puts in another 81-game season. Looked pretty good doing it, and earned himself a spring training invite this year. Brendan, what do you think of where Riley Adams is currently as he's coming in at number 28, I think I said? Yes. <laughs> yeah, 28, <laughs> 20, yeah. No, 27. No, I, I'm surprised. I'm, I skipped over somebody. I'm horrible. <laughs> so I will go back. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think we know why we skipped over that other guy, yeah. though, Raquelvin. Uh, yeah, Raquelvin DeCastro. But uh, 
quickly touching on Riley Adams. It's just another incredible uh, catching talent that they have in this organization. Obviously, we talked about Alejandro Kirk uh, already, and you throw in Riley Adams in there, just another guy coming up through the system. Um, and you already have Jansen and Reese McGuire at the big league level. Often, like with just the catching depth guys, I'm not sure. Um, it's possible that maybe Riley Adams with another good season could be an attractive trade chip for other teams that are looking to add to their catching depth. I mean, I know catchers are a dime a dozen. They're tough to come by, and the Blue Jays have an abundance of them, which is a great thing. But if you're looking and you're hovering around 500 or so at the trade deadline, which I think is reasonable for the 2020 Blue Jays, and somebody comes calling uh, to add an outfielder uh, or add a pitcher at the deadline and they want Riley Adams, he could be one of those guys that are on their way out, just given the crazy depth that they have at catcher. But even if he stays, I mean, just stays. It's great to have in the organization a guy who had 11 home runs last year and 39 ribbies with a 349 OBP. Great numbers for him, great offensively for a catcher. Yeah, I think it's just odd that we're even talking about having catcher, period, let alone catching depth in our minor league system because right? the Blue Jays haven't had <laughs> a homegrown catcher since like Ernie Witt <laughs> you know it's just how it is and I think we even acquired him like in the more or less the expansion draft so it really wasn't homegrown <laughs> so but these are I think the guys you need in a minor league system and I think Zach you can attest that it's nice to have some guy with some pop that can come in and regardless of where he falls on the depth chart you got somebody like him that can come in and pop you one yeah, and his size, 6'4", 225, that's perfect for a catcher. I think uh, if you were going to build a catcher, that that's kind of where you would start. I think one of the underlying things here uh, is Adams will more than likely be in Buffalo at some point this summer, managed by Ken Huckabee. I think that's going to be huge for his development, uh, being around a, a catcher who did it for so long at the major league level. Uh, that's always a, a good thing to have uh, him in your clubhouse. And, uh, you know, he was he was in Bluefield a few times last uh, summer working with the catchers. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a testament to the, to the organization, the guys that they have that can uh, kind of come in, get hands on. And I think Huckabee is going to do a great job with whoever he has behind the plate uh, this summer in Buffalo. And I think Riley Adams can benefit from that just as much as anyone. I just had to point out the fact that you brought up Ken Huckabee because until this year, he was more or less, like you said, the roaming catching instructor for the Toronto Blue Jays organization. I am so glad that he got a chance to be a manager anywhere in the system, let alone Buffalo, because he did such a good job with the guys we're finally seeing at the major league level in Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire. And it's only continued, like you said, all the way through the whole minor league system. And me being a guy that lives in New York, I'm glad to see that Ken Huckabee's finally known for something else besides destroying Derek Jeter <laughs> that one time. <laughs> so, my guys in my fantasy baseball That's league every year never let me live that. it down. <laughs> so, and his son, his son is in the organization as well, and, and uh, you know I think he's going to be a young prospect for years to come. He's going to be fun to watch grow. Uh, you know, he kind of worked through some things last year in Bluefield. He may come back to Bluefield. Uh, you're not sure, but uh, anytime you have a Huckabee around, I think uh, you've got some, uh, some great things brewing, I, I believe. Yeah, Kyle's got the work ethic, too, I'm sure, just like his dad does. So it's good stuff. But 
Um, so I got to go back because, like I said, I'm apparently horrible with numbers, even though that's all I do for a day job. <laughs> so um, we had Samad Taylor at 30, Tanner Morris at 29. And then we actually have, because of fun with math and where we're getting all our numbers here with our, our cocktail of voters on our panel of experts, <laughs> Raquelvin De Castro makes his way in at 28 who is a 16 year old international free agent signing and i'm sorry to say guys i know nothing about the kid i hope to learn more this season but at 16 there's not much i'm gonna learn <laughs> outside of maybe our friends no. at prospects <laughs> live so that is why he got quickly skipped over on our countdown to number 27 riley adams and let's talk now guys a guy we just saw pitch the other day and unfortunately did not have the best outing on the planet, and that is TJ Zoik. Brendan, we enjoyed watching him in Toronto last year, and we saw some of the, the could-be, you know, stardom of TJ Zoik and what he can really do with a sinker. Give me your your insight, my friend. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, just how many arms that they now have after the additions of Ryu, Shoemaker coming back healthy, uh, trading for Chase Anderson, uh, and signing Tanner Roark, uh, that pushes TJ like pretty far down the totem pole, uh, back into AAA. And given his outing already, uh, and some of the stuff we saw last year, I, I enjoyed watching TJ Zoic because he was the first ever pick of the Roth Atkins and Mark Shapiro regime. So I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I wouldn't say I was overly impressed with TJ Zoic last year. Seems like a lot of his stuff is just flat, like nothing that's truly electrifying. For a guy who's as big as he is, for Zoic to only average 91.9 miles per hour on fastball, seems like there's a little bit left in the tank, or maybe he should be giving you a little bit more than what he did. But regardless, I mean, we saw last year that he had a lot of hard contact against him, and that's the kind of the theme we've seen so far in his two outings in spring, including the one where he got rocked just the other day. So, I mean, I have no doubts that we'll see TJ Zoic at some point uh, in Toronto. Uh, in 2020, whether it's due to injury or trade or, or whatever it is, and he comes up and fills a rotation spot. But right now, I think he's penciled in uh, behind Nate Pearson. Given Jacob Pack spring, he could even behind, be behind Pack in the totem pole, and who knows what happens with Sean Lee Foley. But I think if Zoic doesn't turn his spring around quickly, he could be quite low on the totem pole in Buffalo for call-ups. Especially how... how uh brother friend of the show anthony k has been doing <laughs> yeah so there's well, even another guy that's moving up in, that right? chart so the, the depth level right. of blue jays pitching has gone a long ways for a guy that literally threw a no hitter last year in buffalo <laughs> so not to be forgotten it might have been saved by the one chance of a hit that jonathan davis just completely swiped out of it but Crazy this guy did throw a no hitter in Buffalo the night before Nate Pearson made his debut in Buffalo. So <laughs> he has something there, and I think um, you guys will attest to it, that the, it's just waiting for that next cog to click. And maybe, Zach, you can tell me a little bit about what you think you've seen from Zach, uh, TJ Zoic. I'm kind of on the same page as Brennan. You know, he's huge. He's six seven, And I think, you know, uh, probably growing up, he was bigger than everyone, and he used his intimidation uh, you know, to kind of strike people out before they even stepped in the box. But, you know, uh, 95 from a guy that big is, is not, uh, you know, as impressive to me as, you know, but I, I think he has major league stuff. I think, you know, if he could, you know, maybe add a couple of miles per hour 
to his fastball, maybe add a, a third pitch, uh, you know, get a little more consistency with his changeup and his sinker, uh, and, you know, kind of get some movement. You know, everything everything flat is going to get mashed at the major league level. So I, I think he's got some, you know, he's got some work to do, but with the frame and, you know, the the pitching that he's put out there, the resume that he has already, I think he's on the right prog- – He's you know, he's right in the right step – but I think he's maybe uh, a half a step away from being that everyday uh, major league uh, bullpen guy or, or maybe he was sneaking into the rotation. Yeah. Speaking of guys, I was actually honestly shocked to actually see make our list, guys. And I think that's a lot of it because he's been lost in the shuffle with all these other great pitchers that have been going through the Blue Jays minor league system. And that is slotting in at number 25, Hector Perez. I have honestly seen plenty from Hector Perez and I just I'm waiting for that next thing to happen for him I just it's it the potential's there but that next step has not happened into the double a level for him since he's been acquired for the Toronto Blue Jays Zach I'll let you kick this one off <laughs> one of the things I've noticed about Hector is he likes to pitch himself into trouble and he pitches himself out of trouble really well. So I think if he can avoid pitching himself into trouble as much, uh, you know, he, he can kind of climb that ladder. But it's been one of those things, his consistency hasn't been there for him. But he's one of those bulldog types that uh, he's one of those that, you know, he has the shovel in his hand. He's like, I'm going to dig myself out one way or another. And I think a lot of people up the ladder have noticed that. And, the you know, a lot of the brass have, have taken notice. But I think uh, they would like to see more of less trouble and more steadiness out of Perez. And I think I, I'm kind of with you. You know, I think once he kind of fits that groove of uh, maybe uh, less innings with runners behind him or walking runners or, or, or putting runners on and getting double plays or having to pitch out of trouble, I, I think he's going to move up the ladder and, and kind of find himself in, uh, you know, in a, in a rotation, uh, maybe a Buffalo or maybe even coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. Brendan? Yeah, I kind of leading uh, Zach, how you uh, ended your point with Hector Perez. I mean, just given and looking at his Fangraphs page, back last year in uh, in Double A with uh, with the Fisher Cats, he almost averaged five walks per nine innings in his base on balls per nine. So he's effectively wild, as uh, a lot of people like to coin pitchers uh, these days. But I could see him just because, and you go and look at, and not to give away the rest of our our top thirty list from our voters, but when you have guys like Joey Murray and even a Simeon Woods Richardson who was just acquired, there's a lot of guys who have already caught up and surpassed Hector Perez on the depth chart to the point where with all the great arms that this organization has collected and the limited amount of spots and rotations throughout the minor leagues, for Hector Perez to still have a job and keep on going, it might be better served to consider him out of the bullpen. I mean, you always use the bullpen as a last resort for a pitcher, and you know that they do have some good stuff and whatnot, but I mean, it might be soon time for that to happen. But uh, with the limited amount of spots in Buffalo uh, and in Toronto, uh, and even out of the bullpen in Toronto, um, I think he's probably penciled in for another stint in Double A before he gets that call up to Buffalo. But I, I'm leaning more so with Zach there. I wouldn't be surprised if when he does get the call up, it could be uh, as a reliever at least to start. I'm going to circle back to really quick to where Zach was talking about how he likes to get himself into trouble. I can't remember an outing I've been watching on minor league TV 
that he didn't get off to allowing, like you said, Brendan, a couple walks in the first inning or a walk and a base hit. It just felt like there was always two guys on base in the first couple innings in each inning. <laughs> when you're doing that and you're constantly <laughs> in the hole starting it off, yes, he is actually very, very good at Houdiniing his way out of most of the trouble. Because in all reality, this 4.6 ERA that he had this past season through 120 innings could have been very much more inflated from how he kind of steps in it right off the bat. But the fact that he can bulldog his way through it just makes me wonder if that is exactly where he would be better off in that bullpen like you guys were both mentioning. I hate to shoehorn him into that right this second because he does have three pitches that are pretty solid. But the fact that, like you, we were just talking about, it's like, well, where do you take the next step? And is that when he gets a chance to go out into the one inning, two inning maybe, and just air it out and go through a lineup once? Or is it with him taking that next step and staying in the minor league rotations enough to get seen and drop this ERA back down to what we were seeing in previous performances when he was acquired by the Blue Jays in the mid-threes? And I think if he gets back to that, he's still staying as a starter just because there is the potential for him to be a little that they'll kick that flame into a good torch. So, is what it is. So, next on the countdown is actually somebody that's probably going to make the team, guys. And I say probably because there's certain little things that happen in parking lots and <laughs> some of the guys that they might want to <laughs> keep on the 40 man roster to that don't have options. And I wonder if it, if there is no case for Reese McGuire making this team, I wonder if it's in that situation there that they'd like to keep somebody like Caleb Joseph in the lineup for whatever reason and give Reese a chance to get more every day at bats with Danny Jansen taking more of the share of the at bats at the major league level. But Brendan, of course I'm talking about Reese's pieces, McGuire <laughs> right here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, at this point I think it'd be shocked if, uh, if he doesn't make the uh, the opening day roster. Hey, Craig, you brought up a good point earlier. Now that you have a 26-man, it could be easier to carry three catchers on your roster. So if they really want a veteran like a Caleb Joseph or a Patrick Cantwell, then they could do that. But, uh, yeah, I think I think we're, we're for sure going to see Reese McGuire start the season uh, with, uh, with the Blue Jays. And the fact that we mentioned this on a few podcasts ago is the fact that Reese McGuire... Uh, put in the work and actually went to Russell Martin to ask him for tips and, and questions and whatnot, like catching Hunter and Ryu uh, when Ryu was signed by the team. So, yeah, no, and I was impressed last year with Maguire. I mean, considering the fact Jansen didn't hit very much, uh, it was a nice change to see Maguire in just 105 play appearances. He smacked five home runs uh, and almost hit 300. I, mean, I don't think that was a very small sample size, but even still, um, the fact that he was showing some offensive numbers and uh, he's good defensively too. That was always the thing with Reese McGuire compared to Danny Jansen. McGuire was the more defensive catcher. It was kind of flipped when they were both at the major league level last year. Jansen was the defensive one, and Reese McGuire was the offensive one. So, yeah, I think he will definitely break team or break camp with the team. Yeah, I figured it was almost a ninety percent chance of that, but it's just weird with how some of these things are playing out, and I wonder where things go when they say that the shift is already happening in sharing time in the starting lineup if that was part of that conversation at the same time. Well, you need to keep Reese's back going, so what do you do? Do you sit him on the bench or do you put him over here? This is a guy that has now had 44 Major League games, 128 at-bats. And, guys, he's batting 297 through that time with seven home runs and 15 RBIs. That's nothing to slouch at when he's playing against two. So, Zach, 
I think he makes the team, but are we going to see continued improvement on the offensive side for Reese McGuire, or is this literally just a too small sample size situation? I think it's one of those for him. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a big leaguer for as long as he wants to be. I think uh, they have the faith in him. You know, I think the defensive side of things will carry him through any maybe slouch offensively he may have. Uh, it'll be, uh, you know, with Jensen, uh, Jensen there with him, I think, you know, getting the at-bats to maybe find a rhythm uh, may not be there. But I, I think – I think the uh, the brass in Toronto think enough of McGuire's defensive uh, prowess behind the plate. They'll leave him there. Uh, you know, I, I think as long as he stays healthy, he's a major leaguer. All right, boys, we're going to move to a very recent acquired Toronto Blue Jay from the Chicago Cubs. More or less, has been named Doctor Spin by Pitch Ninja and a bunch of other guys. <laughs> um, Thomas Hatch. A former round three pick of the tw- of the Chicago Cubs, Zach. This guy has been looking very good since coming into the Toronto Blue Jays organization, and almost like the switch tripped. Had a 4.59 ERA through 100 innings with the, you know, with the South Bend. No, no, sorry, with the Double A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. Only throws 35 innings in the Blue Jays organization with the Fisher Cats last season, but a 2.8 ERA through that time. Did something happen where Thomas Hatch all of a sudden is the potential of a round three pick? Yeah, that's. I think that's the question that kind of uh, that may be answered uh, in in this year. Uh, you know, he's six one, two hundred pounds, good size, right hander. But the only thing I see as a downfall is his velo. Uh, from the right side, you know, low 90s, essentially with the fastball. His slider is nice. <laughs> it is a dangerous pitch. And, uh, you know, he was a Friday starter in college for Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's big-time baseball. I, I think he'll be a, a back rotation, middle reliever type guy. Uh, but um, I, I think uh, we would – I'm kind of like you on this. I'd like to see a little more innings, maybe a little more work to kind of – kind of get more of a grade out on him but I, I think it's there uh, the velo with the fastball is about the only thing uh, I, I could see that needs some work but he could be one of those September guys that kind of helps the pin down the stretch in a playoff push could be the best free agent signing kind of idea right or best trade ship that you didn't have to even worry about grabbing <laughs> exactly <laughs> so Brendan does the spin factor on this slider that you know Zach was just alluding to here, where it is more or less on what I've seen the footage on on Pitch Ninja, slightly ridiculous? Does this carry? Oh yeah, oh I think it does. Um, I can't remember exactly. I was trying to look it up beforehand, but I'm pretty sure um, after Hatch got into the organization, when they acquired him from the Cubs, they already had a few mechanical changes in mind uh, with Hatch. Uh, or maybe it's even a, a different pitch or something. Regardless, I'm going to have to go dig it up to, to find the exact wording on it or what it was that they did. But I think it was a fix to something uh, that uh, kind of inspired the, the change in Thomas Hatch's season. And honestly, last year, throughout the minor league system, everybody's favorite seemed to be very under the radar guy. With Joey Murray was talked about a lot. Towards the end of the season, after Thomas Hatch was acquired, everybody was talking about Thomas Hatch. Uh, and how excited they were that uh, he came and actually blew the doors off the competition in double A. He actually um, 
Arden Zwelling put out a piece today after Anthony Kay's rough start, uh, unfortunately, talking about what the real competition in spring training is. And yes, it's for the fifth job, but at the same time, it's also for the AAA rotation. Uh, and you've seen guys like Julian Merriweather go out there, Nate Pearson, obviously, TJ Soik, but they're really focusing on here. And Zwelling mentions Thomas Hatch as a guy who could factor in and ultimately end up as uh, a back end of the rotation starter in Buffalo. So the fact that he's being talked about in that regard, I think it's exciting. The fact that you got him for what? How many appearances did David Phelps make as a Blue Jay? Like five or less? That's pretty great piece of business by the front office. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So, hey, you got what seems to be a useful and potentially very good piece for, (laughs) as you said, feels like three appearances from David Phelps. Which is more or less the equivalent of a box of beer and a bag of balls, right? <laughs> it is. That's the price that I put on you coming and staying on my couch, a case of beer. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what I bring, too. <laughs> so, Zach, okay. just to, just for future reference, that's the same offer for you, my friend. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> bring up I, can, nice uh, local I can drop beer. that up on the way up, I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Perfect. Perfect. Too easy. Um, so we're in our last two, well, well, last one here, guys, because uh, we're not going to break in to the tw- top twenty. So we got Will Robertson and somebody else that I'm going to let Zach gush on to that I know he's gotten a chance to see. <laughs> but uh, Will Robertson was recently acquired, and he's an outfielder, so that's nice perks. And in the midst of this, guys, he's got some nice tools. Very good as a college hitter and might be able to translate very easily into the Toronto Blue Jays system. Did I, I, I didn't, I'm having trouble finding his numbers from where he got into the organization last year, other than the fact that I'm rereading that he had 267 for a batting average. Brenda, do you have Will Robertson's fund in front of I'm, you? I'm trying to pull it up right now. I clicked on the wrong Will Robertson. I yeah, that's what happened to me, too. I got a picture for the, blue, the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles when I clicked on it, and I thought that's I got exactly the proper Will on. Robertson. <laughs> nice to know we're on the same I got page. it now. <laughs> I got it now. Yeah, he was in Vancouver uh, last year. Yeah, two, two, 268 uh, with a 365 OBP and a WRC plus, so 124. No, he had a good little season. I honestly will be completely honest. I don't know much about Will Robertson as a player, so I don't think my opinion or uh, even thought on this matter will be very valued to our audience. So I'm going to turn it over to the next uh, the I guess we're going to defer next, to uh, the minor league uh, I am. here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm deferring Zach to the minor league your, gurus. Yeah, Zach, in the midst of your good uh, research, did you happen to find any good data for Blue Jays fans on outfielder Will Robertson? Well, I've got a few things. He played at Creighton, who is also known as the Blue Jays, so it's kind of uh, a <laughs> like circle for him. I think, <laughs> I think it was meant to be. He was also born December 26, 1997. Uh, December 26th is my birthday, so I know firsthand that he's been snuffed on gifts more so than not. <laughs> See, Brendan, but, we played this perfectly <laughs> by letting Zach just run with this one. <laughs> That's right. I, know. I, I think I think his tools, like you said, I think his tools though are perfect. You know, bats from the left side, throws from the left side, six two two fifteen, very athletic. Uh, you know, I, I think he's got a tremendous upside in uh, in the outfield. I, you know, from the left side, I think he's going to be one of those guys uh, with the pedigree. You know, he was with Creighton when they made a, a run a few years ago in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he's he's he was a second team all region for the Rawlings, uh, first team all Big East in college. 
Uh, pretty good uh, season at Cape Con. He hit 300 with 11 doubles, four triples a couple of years ago. So I, I think uh, the the pedigree is there. Uh, he's one of those guys I think uh, we'll be talking about a little bit more in the future. But uh, definitely want to see a little more out of him, uh, you know, at that uh, maybe high A level uh, coming up this summer. Yeah, because I'm reading through some of our friends' notes here on him, and it's just going through here as this pop, pop, pop. It's going to translate. He had six home runs apparently last season, which in the Vancouver League is pretty solid. He's that ain't a little ballpark up there at the Nat, but um, good stuff either way. And, Zach, I'm going to let you start off with our number 21 guy before we break into what would be next week's fun. Eric Pardino, unfortunately sliding a lot, my friend, but I think that's due to injuries and unfortunate recent news that he is going to have to have Tommy John surgery and it's already done and he's good and recovering. But this kid is lights out, and I know you had the pleasure of watching him for a whole season, and I missed him by one stinking day when I came to visit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he was, one of the, he was one of those guys when he was in Bluefield, you knew he was special, and it was like him. It was like the Fernando mania of the 80s in Bluefield with Pardino. You know, a uh, uh, kid from Brazil, the face of baseball in Brazil, small in stature. I tell you what, uh, you know, I watched Billy Wagner in high school as a little kid and watched him, you know, through his uh, entire professional career. You know, he kind of struck me as a right-handed Billy Wagner on the mound. You know, short in stature, but he took control of ball games. Uh, each, you know, almost I, I would say 95 percent of the time he was on the bump in Bluefield. Uh, there was uh, a few nights early on in the season he didn't get the offensive output to get the win. Uh, he took a perfect game into the seventh, I think, one night, uh, which was a fun night. But that's I, I'm, I think I'm with everyone in the organization. I'm a little alarmed by some of the injuries that he suffered. You know, Tommy John in 2020 isn't a career ender. I think it's more so a tune-up. Uh, than anything, but it's not the first uh, injury Pardino has suffered. So uh, that's a little alarming, but I think if you can get him on the right track and keep him healthy, he's one of those guys that could be in the starting rotation in, you know, maybe two years in Toronto. And I, I think uh, just the, the backstory of him from Brazil and, and being uh, this kid that mowed down professional hitters in the World Baseball Classic a few years ago as a teenager. I, I think it's just one of those sexy stories that it, I think we all hold plays out for Bardinio. But, yeah, his small stature is not going to bode well for all these injuries. But I think uh, the Tommy John came at the right time. He's going to have this entire year to kind of work and rehab and get back in order. And I think 2021 is going to be a huge year for Eric. Yeah, and as far as you mentioned, still a teenager. Will only be 19 this season. So, Brendan, I know we've talked about it on this show recently that he has had his Tommy John, and as far as it goes, his, his development is slowed because of this. But the talent's there. I know you can say something to Eric Pardino as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with Zach. The injuries have definitely been concerning in terms of uh, how many he's gone through so far in his career. But, I mean, hey, he's not even legal in the United States yet. He just got legal in Canada uh, back at the beginning of January. So uh, by the time he comes back and is ready to hit him out again, he'll still not be legal in the United States. He'll only be 20 uh, when he turns uh, 20 in uh, in January of, two, uh, of 2021. So, I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate that this had to happen because, uh, as you were saying, Zach, this guy could rise rather quickly 
uh, through the organization, even as a youngster at the age of 19. And we were seeing that starting uh, last season before he did get injured. So, no, I think once he gets back, you start him low, and he can be a guy who can progress really quickly through the minor leagues. It really wouldn't surprise me if by 2022, uh, we see him knocking on the door kind of similarly to how Nate Pearson is knocking on the door right now. Maybe not in the exact same frame because Nate Pearson is a monster uh, and can touch 100. Uh, but Eric, Eric Pardino has the stuff to be able to be uh, a front-of-the-rotation guy. and Let's hope his arm holds up and, and other injuries uh, do not happen because, uh, yeah, he could be very special. So take the year off, recover, rehab properly, and you'll be back and ready to go for 2021. Yeah, it really would not shock me that he just ripped roars right through the Meyer League system once he does get back on that mound. It is good stuff watching him on the mound. All the video I've seen, just insanely talented. And it's almost like we're deprived as Blue Jays fans not getting to see him on the mound this year. But he will be coming back. And like uh, most people like, oh, did Tommy John? Like Zach was saying, it's a tune-up. They come back better than they were before. Just look at Nathan Abaldi once again hitting 100 miles an hour on the damn radar gun in spring training for the freaking Red Sox. I know, Zach, you're all excited, <laughs> but I'm not going to call <laughs> So Yeah, it's gonna, he's, one of the, he's one of the bright spots for the Red Sox this year. That's It's going to be a transition year that I think uh, uh, is going to be a, an odd fit for them. I, I could kind of see them falling to the bottom of the AL East. I, I think this year it's the Jays and the Rays and the Yankees, and, and, and then kind of everyone else in the AO East. But I, I think it's going to be one of those uh, summers that uh, the Red Sox kind of take a step back and regroup. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm still trying to learn about our manager. <laughs> we just, uh, uh, you know, Alex Cora, I, I loved him as a manager. He was a great um, fit, but, you know, kind of got tossed into the mix with uh, uh, all the Astro stuff and, uh, you know, is it, it was a kind of a, a bad thing, but it's, it's one of those years. That, yeah, with bets gone as well, I think it's going to be uh, an interesting year in uh, in Boston for sure. All right, Mister Panikar, I'm going to give you a moment here to go on record and ask Zach anything you got tickling your mind right now. <laughs> Honestly, a lot of the questions that I did have were were answered in, in great detail. So thank you for all that, Zach. But uh, no, I guess my only other thing is uh, give us your uh, prediction for Bluefield in in 2020. How are you expecting the team to end up? And uh, who would be a team to keep an eye on uh, in the Abbey League for 2020? Well, uh, you know, it's always interesting with the Abbey League. Uh, you're not the uh, first or last that <laughs> kind of asked me how is Bluefield going to do this year. It's always, <laughs> kind of a, it's always kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you, you're not real sure what, what's going to come back from the year before until you know almost uh, the short uh, little spring breaks and and then the draft is always interesting you keep an eye on on some of the guys that may uh, step off the bus in bluefield you know uh, i've always uh, since being a part of the bluefield uh, organization at a professional level I, i've always been uh, you know uh, excited about what toronto sends down to the happy league it seems like year in year out they compete uh, last year, the pitching staff, you know, was left a little to be desired, but uh, the offensive side put up tremendous numbers. They were, you know, I think top four in the league in, in uh, almost every category. So it, it's one of those things that uh, uh, Mr. Wilson and, uh, and Mr. Kim always do a great job of sending uh, great talent to all uh, the organizations in the in the uh, in the club, but. 
it's going to be one of those things uh, I think uh, it, it, it'll kind of pan out in June. Always the Yankees out of Pulaski, they always have some great talent. Uh, the Cardinals organization always has some good talent in Johnson City. And Elizabeth, and uh, they're a twins uh, club. I don't think they have a low A squad. So they kind of treat Elizabeth and as uh, their advanced rookie and low A squad. So it seems like they're a little bit more advanced, uh, pun intended, uh, at that level than maybe some of the others. So it's it's always fun to kind of uh, to see that uh, play out. And uh, I tell you what, the Appy League has been uh, a part of my life since uh, I found out what baseball was when I was four years old. Uh, I've been going to Appy League games since then and uh, just watching some tremendous talent come up through the ranks and, and make it to the majors. And uh, it's it's one of those things you kind of just have to be a part of to kind of realize it. But uh, the Appy League uh, summers uh, in Appalachia or would be I, I don't even want to think about what they would be without the Appalachian League, uh, but uh, it, it just gives so many good uh, ball players a, a, a chance to hone their craft in a, in a kind of controlled environment. You know, a lot of them coming from rookie ball where they didn't travel, where they stay in one place and they play it. You know, they don't play in front of uh, many people. Uh, the Appy League, uh, they're embraced by whatever town they end up in. Uh, they have great housing. Uh, they're fed really well. Uh, our boosters club, uh, our, our boosters club, I tell you what, has some uh, you know four four course meals after games that uh, I think a lot of major league club houses would be uh, a little envious <laughs> of. But uh, it's it's a great it's a great environment for baseball, and I think every young kid coming up through uh, through the uh, professional ranks should should make a stop in the Happy League. So, Zach, I was literally going to give you the mic and just go, you know, gosh, do your shameless self-promotion, but I think you already did that for your whole town, so I think I'm going <laughs> to just kidding. <laughs> so, but anything, you're, you're the guest on your our, our show here, man, and I always give every guest that we have here, same as Brendan, a chance to shine, tell our fans where they can find you. Obviously, they can find you on Bluefield Blue Jays baseball and on the radio, but Go ahead and gush away, man, on whatever you would like to this, you know, get out to the weather, the Twitter sphere and everything right now. Well, I, I, I just appreciate you guys having me on, uh, you know, more than once. It, uh, I, I, I'm kind of thankful of that. Uh, you guys uh, thought enough of me to, to call me back. But it's, it's always fun to chat baseball and, and the Blue Jays organization. I think, uh, you know, I, I grew up uh, here in southwest Virginia, as you know, as a Braves fan. The Braves were on television every night, and, and until – really until Ted Turner decided to sell the club and turn the Braves into a, a glorified triple-A squad there for a year, few years. I was a, <laughs> you know, I was a hard, hardcore Braves fan, uh, you know, uh, always going to Happy League games at least, you know, two, three times a week, watching the Orioles play whoever they played, um, and, and kind of growing up around the ballpark uh, that way. It, it's just been a tremendous honor, uh, Mr. McGonigal, Mr. Uh, Malamazura, and everyone in the Blue Jays organization, uh, you know, allowing me to come back. Uh, this will be my, uh, I think, third, full third season, and then, uh, you know, fourth season with the club in a professional manner. So I'm looking forward to that. We're trying to work out some sponsorships where we do every game uh, this year. We, we're doing just home games and then uh, close away games with Princeton and Pulaski, but I've kind of pushed that we do every game uh, and travel with the club. So we're still in the works for that, but we'll definitely have at least all the home games, Princeton and Pulaski, 
uh, on bluefieldjays.com and uh, through any way um, you'd like to listen to Bluefield Blue Jays baseball. And, and I, I just hope everyone enjoys the broadcast. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm kind of in the same boat that the players are. You know, we're all working our way up uh, through the system, and I do college sports and high school sports here locally and, and professional baseball for Bluefield. So I, I think, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, it, whether it's good or bad, I, I like to hear the feedback from the fans who listen and, you know, let me know what they enjoy, let me know what they don't enjoy. And um, it's Z underscore Helton on Twitter, uh, Z underscore Helton 33 on Instagram, and Zach Helton on Facebook. And I've, uh, with the help of a co-worker at the radio station, uh, John Eller, have, has la- have launched a, a website, Zach-Helton.com. I've got some uh, some audio from some Bluefield stuff, some, some of my other stuff. I've got some videos I do uh, here locally for some businesses and, and just kind of uh, a little bit of everything on that website. So if you want to check that out, uh, it's kind of that's kind of me in a nutshell is that website. It, it, I don't take myself seriously one bit. <laughs> so it's kind Sounds of like a, everybody else. It's kind show. of throwing myself exactly. It's kind of me throwing myself under the bus in a website form. So uh, I appreciate everyone uh, uh, tuning in uh, to the Bluefield Blue Jays broadcast, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know another year in the Appy League this summer. Awesome, my friend. And you, we we got to do this more often. We'll, you always have a phone, uh, a home here if you want to come chat anytime. You drop me a text, and Brendan and I are more than welcome to have you here and talk baseball in general, completely. or Bluefield Blue Jays, or just Appy League gushing. So it's all good, man. That's right. Completely agree. Absolutely. Always have a home here, Zach. And, and you guys always have a, a seat in the booth with me, whether it be the old booth or the new booth, or or if we're out <laughs> in the parking lot, you guys. Uh, come on to Bluefield, and, and that goes out to everybody. I don't know if we can fit everyone into the booth, but uh, uh, in good Bluefield fashion, everyone's always by, invited to uh, Peters Park at, at Bowen Field. Awesome stuff. So, gentlemen, that is another wonderful episode here, and just like uh, the, some of the gentlemen we've been talking uh, about during this show, this is now the all-too-thick version of the Jays Bird Watching uh, podcast being a little bit over our normal schedule, but we could not cut this anyway, Zach. This is way too fun. It was a great conversation. Once again, great having you on the show, and we will do this again soon. Brendan, is there anything else you would like to get out before we sign off this evening? I would like to thank you for coming on again, Zach. It was a great conversation last time and again today. Well, definitely all tune into Blue Jays or Bluefield Blue Jays baseball this year to hear you and your call. But yeah, no, it was great insight, great stories. I always feel disconnected from the lower levels of the minors, so you helped bring me back uh, a little bit and get me all caught up. And I'm sure that all of our listeners will think will will think the same thing after listening to this show. So thank you again uh, for hopping on with us. Uh, thank you guys. I, I can't thank you guys enough. Awesome, guys. So, once again, Brendan, this has been the Jaybird Watching Podcast. We are hoping to expand our little empire here where we might have another show every week. We do have still a mystery guest that I think everybody's figured out that's going to be possibly joining our pod and making it a three man, you know, three stooges bit thing going on here. And in the midst <laughs> of that, guys, uh, let's just figure this out like we usually do at the end of the show and give a let's go, Blue Jays. Let's go, Blue Jays. Let's go, Bluefield Blue Jays. Boom. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.